0: Uh, several, several months ago, we went through a, a series called The Ways of Jesus, and, and in The Ways of Jesus, we, we identified several lifestyle patterns that Jesus had. And, and, and there may be more, but these were kind of the five that as a staff and then even with some core groups, we went around and met with many of you and we kind of looked at them and went over them together. And there were really, there were really five key lifestyle patterns. Y'all remember if you grew up, uh, maybe, maybe you were growing up in the early 2000s, late 1990s, there was a thing come out, what would Jesus do, right? We, well, I think this is more of what, did G, what Jesus did These are some consistent lifestyle patterns, and there were five, and the first one was Jesus put the kingdom first. You know, Jesus talked about the church by my understanding and my recollection. One time, he talked about the church. Maybe if there's any more than that, come tell me because I haven't seen it. One time, he talked about, upon this rock, I'll build my church. But he talked about the kingdom all the time. He talked about the kingdom of God all the time. Jesus had a lifestyle pattern of practicing God's presence. Prayer and sitting before God and worship, which is something you just did. It wasn't just something he did for 10 minutes in the morning or hit a podcast on 65 North and call that a day. You know, and get a few scriptures in you before you hit the, the big bad corporate world. Jesus had a habit of departure, he had a life rhythm that was way more than just a morning ritual. Jesus had another pattern what we call living free. Jesus healed people emotionally, sometimes he healed them spiritually, and sometimes he healed them physically, but all of it was about connecting them to the Father who can who can heal them eternally. Jesus set people free and even talked to us about what freedom looked like. We talk about freedom a lot, spiritual freedom. It's a lifestyle here. And then Jesus was always truthful one of the things that that really really uh, impacted me when I first began reading the Gospels with these kind of lenses I put these lenses on and I was like I want to see some lifestyle patterns of Jesus and the first thing that jumped out for me was Jesus was always truthful and by that I don't mean that he always just told the truth well of course he did it was way more than that sometimes he spoke the truth about why a person was in shame Sometimes he spoke the truth about what they needed to get over that shame. Sometimes he spoke to people who were bullies, and he spoke the truth. Sometimes he spoke to people who were beat down, and he spoke the truth about love. But he always spoke the truth. He he said what he said, and he meant what he said. And boy, that's been a, a real convicting agent for me. And then there was another one, the fifth lifestyle pattern. We noticed that Jesus taught us to engage our neighbor. He taught us to engage our neighbor. In fact, he said it in the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. And love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who is my neighbor? Anybody that your life touches. Your your neighbor can be anybody that your life touches. In fact, for many of you... You are far closer spiritually, maybe just relationally, maybe just in an employment way. You're far closer with people you work with and see on Zoom twice a week than you are with your actual neighbor, right? Some of you don't actually know people three doors down. You know, when, when my grandparents were living up, you knew the whole street. Man, you knew the whole street. You knew everybody on the street. You had a green light to spank everybody's kids on the street. At least my grandparents did. Or maybe they just did that and didn't ask permission. I don't know. Either way. But, but you knew everybody. Now, we don't, you know, I, I, I saw this comedian one time and said, this is how far times have changed. You know, on Sundays, people back when, when my grandparents were around, people made Sunday visits. They just dropped in. You know, just knock on the door. Oh, look. You know, it's the Jones. That's Come on in. Now somebody knocks on the door. What the heck? Who is that? What are they? We're not ready for this. Nobody said, I didn't get a calendar invite. I'm not dressed. Are you out of your mind? You know, it's how far times have changed, right? I mean, we don't really know our neighbors. Well, well, Jesus engaged his neighbor, and, and he told us to do that. And so today... I'm going to do something a little bit different. I I think the best sermons are when people are doing it. I can say things all day long, but when there are people that are actually doing things, it speaks, I think, way louder than anything I could say. Today, I'm going to talk to you about three ingredients if you want God to use you. If you want God to use your life, there may be a few more principles out there, there may be a few more common denominators out there, but I will tell you something. If you want God to use you to do anything, there's three components that have to be there no matter what, right? Now, you're not going to see them in a letter in the Timothy or walk through them in Leviticus. I'm just telling you these are what I've seen my whole ministry life, and I see them in the Scriptures. There have to be three. You have to have obedience to your calling. You have to have God's burden in your life, but you have to be willing to take action, right? You have to be willing to take action. And right here at Clearview, there's somebody that's doing all three of those things. Actually, you just saw a couple of people, Bob and Tammy Ogle, they're, 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 they're living out these principles. That, that, so that the person I'm going to bring up in just a second isn't the only person doing this. But there's something happening at Clearview that you would not know about unless I told you. There's something going on in, in, in a church member's life, a church person's life that goes here that, that I want you to understand that these three things are happening and some, some pretty radical things are happening. So back in February, we, we, t- we, we brought this young man up, and some of our guys know him. I mentioned him a few weeks ago, but something has changed even since August 13th. And I want you to come up. Everybody uh, say hi to Jordan Rowe. Come on up here, Jordan. And the, uh, carry that. Now, um, if y'all think I have a southern accent, Jordan's from Georgia. He's from South Georgia, and so it's gonna be even better, right? That's right. Uh, that's right. Well, um, Jordan, Jordan, tell him tell him who you are and what you do. Uh, I think it's already on. But some of some of y'all have met Jordan. Some of our men have met Jordan, but we're gonna talk about something happening in his life. That's that this week has been the week of weeks for me to watch some of this stuff go down. So tell him who you are and what you do.
1: Yes, yeah, so my name's Jordan, um, and I'm a songwriter and an artist here in town, um, a little publishing company called Tape Room that's under Sony, um, and so most of the days, Monday through Friday, I get up and go write a song up there on Music Row, and uh, sometimes playing shows on the weekend and putting out our own music, so just kind of all the things, and about a half and half way, um, and I've been coming to Clearview, it's, gosh, it's been a little while now, maybe a year, Probably. year and a half?
0: Yeah, maybe longer. Maybe, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and so it's been awesome, and uh, it's been great to be a part of your church as much as I can be here. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm from or where I'm doing now, and I'm originally from South Georgia. So thanks for having me up Down here.
0: on the... Georgia line way on, on the, the, Georgia line. the Georgia yeah. line yeah I saw Jordan one day he walked into church and you know you know if you're into a hobby like if you're a golfer and you see somebody wearing tight list you know they're, they're telling you something you know about what they love right if you if you see somebody wearing something well I saw him probably three people in this whole church would know anything about it but on the back of the yoke that's the back of the neck he had a vest and it and it had a a, a brand that was a duck hunting brand and I said hey you're a duck hunter, and he's like, yeah, I am, and we talked for this long time, and, and then he said, I didn't know this, but it was funny, he said, yeah, I'm talking to this guy out in the lobby, and I go into church, and then about 30 minutes later, he goes up on stage, I'm like, oh, that, he said, yeah. he, he said, and worship was going on the whole time, I'm like, yeah, but this is duck season, man, I mean, we got, we got things to talk about, you know, I know what's going to happen in there, you know, so uh, I yeah, kind of was playing hooky a little bit.
1: Yeah, the first Sunday I came um, back home, every church, service starts at 11 not 1045 so I was already 15 minutes late and uh, I showed up, and I'm walking in, and I'm out there on the sidewalk, and this guy comes up and is like, "Oh man, it's a Drake vest. You like duck hunt?" I'm like, "Yeah, man." And uh, we're sitting out there, and I cannot get away from this guy, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, you know, trying to wrap it up. I'm like, man, I got to get in. You know, they're already starting. I can hear the music going, and I'm trying to wrap it up. He's still talking ducks, and I sit inside, miss the whole song service, and he gets on stage, and I'm like, "Oh, that's the preacher." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Had no idea.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. when I knew we'd
1: be good friends.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, there's three, there's three components that, that I just showed you that, that I've seen alive in Jordan's life. And, and I'm going to cap this off in the end with something that happened this week that, that is part of somebody in our family. But, but the first, I would say if you want God to use you, you're going to have to have a heart bent toward obedience. A, a heart that leans toward being obedient. And you've heard me talk about that many, many times. And, and, and I'm telling you, if you want God to use you, you have to resolve. Your yes has to be on the table. It has to be on the table. God, I will go where you tell me to go. Here am I, send me. You, you, have to have, you have to have a lifestyle posture of that. And Jordan, I saw that happen when, when I got to know him a little bit. And so I got a question for you. And I know a little bit about this, but I don't know all the inner workings of it. But here's the question, and I wrote it down on the screen. Uh, when did it become clear to you that you needed to move to Nashville to pursue music? Because that, that's only a six-, seven-hour drive, but it probably felt like a whole nother country like to pick up everything you know and and like knock you had a ton of money and then you, you know you're one of countless thousands upon thousands that, that that do that every year you know so the odds are stacked against you already and that's that must seem like mount everest to do that what when did it become clear that man i i got to leave where i'm at and go do that
1: Man, um, this story could be way longer than it needs to be, so I'm trying to figure out how to you know, answer that. Um, but it was honestly, like I got crazy, a couple crazy different signs from the Lord. Um, and I know one of them, and I'll try to keep this brief, but um, I'd met uh, my roommate now, uh, Ray Fulcher. He's a songwriter up here, um, and you've heard a bunch of his songs on the radio. I met him at a show at the Georgia Theater down in Athens, Georgia. Um, kept in touch, called him up, This was summer of 18, and was like, hey, can I come live with you uh, for a summer and and write songs before I go back and finish my year of school that I had left? And he said, yeah, come on. So we're driving up, and my dad, I'll save you the whole story. My dad um, gives me, he goes, hey, I was praying for you last night, uh, trying to figure out, you know, what I could tell you on this drive up here. And he said, I just prayed, Lord, you know. And he said, the Lord showed me this. I had a dream that you did this. And my dad told me specifically, like he said, I saw you do this and this and this, and these things were things that I had literally done um, at a church camp a couple of years back that he had never seen or never knew about, and he said, I mean, it was like super prophetic, and he was like, these are the things I saw you do, and the Lord said to tell you choices. Then we get up to Ray's house, and Um, Ray goes hey we can't move your stuff in the front door we'll do it in the back because a dove has made its nest on the front door of the house and I told you about the dove a little bit but um, it was like a a dove like a hunting dove not like a white you know like pigeon dove it's a dove that doesn't usually do that um, on your front door and so it was like I could get super close to it and my dad you know he told me after we moved my stuff in he said I prayed for a sign this is where you're supposed to be that dove was sent by the lord and then that, that was in like that was summer of 18 i moved up officially in 19 and i was really struggling with whether i was supposed to be here or not um like you say it was like super i felt like an alien up here you know compared to <laughs> adele um and so i prayed lord all right give me a sure sign that i'm supposed to be here Um and the next day uh, i promise i'm trying to keep this short the next day i get on a flight I'm going to a songwriter thing in California uh I've got a connect in Chicago, and the guy sitting beside me in the plane he was a pastor uh pastor in franklin also and uh he said, "Man, I don't know how to tell you this. I don't want to weird you out I' don't know what you believe in, but the Lord told me to tell you this, and he gives me this super like specific thing too um and he said, I usually only fly Delta. We were on American. The Lord told me last night to fly American and fly this plane. He wasn't even going to where I was going. He literally just went there out of obedience and then ended up telling me this word. So, like, that's how I knew, I knew, I knew was these crazy signs from God. God was moving. God was around. moving. In it. But I'm, like, an overthinker. I have to, have, I mean, I second-guess myself like crazy. So the Lord has to do these really cool things for me to not second-guess You're everything. You're like Gideon.
0: Yes, yeah. exactly. You just yes. need a lot of birds and Yes, stuff. yes, crazy Pastors stuff. Pastors on airplanes. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You won't be the you You're not the first person ever. Yeah, yeah. it's so, wild. So the reason I bring that up is because you, you have to obey. when you When you're praying about something, you have to obey what God puts in front of you. And you hear me talk a lot about... God's not going to reveal to you. If you want God to use you, he's not going to reveal to you like step number one through 17. He just isn't. He's going to reveal to you the next right step. That's it. Just the next right step. That's, that's what you're going to get. And, and if you're not going to be obedient with that, don't expect mile marker or two. He's he's going to, you're going to have to learn to be, I will be obedient without needing to understand. And what I think, what I saw in Jordan is is I saw somebody who had this gift, but he had to put it into motion. 1 Peter 4 says this. It says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And that word good steward really made me think. You know, all of us... The Bible tells us that all of us have been imparted with spiritual gifts. But those gifts mean nothing if you don't steward them. It's up to you to manage. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that it is up to you? God gave you dominion. He gave you dominion over how you use the gift. And if you just choose to let it sit there, that's what it'll do. And so Jordan eventually had to restructure his life to, or, or you weren't going to be a good steward you couldn't experience all of that where you were living that that gift needed to grow what did paul i'm thinking now of what paul told timothy i remember what paul told timothy he said stir up the gift it's already in there Maybe i don't know if timothy had let it grow dormant if he had let it kind of ebb down we we're told to stir it up for the glory of God. We need some of y'all, if you want to experience the, 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 the manifold grace of God, I, 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 I've never met a Christian, and they may be out there, I've never met a Christian that said, you know, I hope to die a meaningless existence and mean nothing to the world. I've never met anybody that said that. I've I've met all kinds of people that want God to use them. You want God to use you? Then the first thing you have to do is have a heart that longs to obey God. But that wasn't all that I've seen in this story that we're kind of leading to here in a minute. Of, of kind of what's been going on recently with him. And I would say the second thing I've seen, and in, in, I told you this is true with anybody that I know, it, you're just seeing a living example of it. I, can, I, I could have brought all kinds of people up here and told you all kinds of different stories. Many of you have experienced this, uh, what it means to obey God, but there's something else that has to be present in your life if you want God to use you. And that second thing is I told you about a burden a minute ago. You have to have a heart bent toward God's burden. Now, let me tell you. Um, this is where the story takes a little bit of an interesting turn with Jordan Rowe. Um, in that, um, Jordan probably—I don't know when when um, the, the the burden came alive. I just remember where I first remember hearing about it, and that is—you um, know—we were in a duck blind where all holy things happen, um, and. <laughs> he had this we were sitting there it was a little slow and and we were talking about your life and you said man there's this thing inside of me that I don't know what to do with and so the question I wrote down was what was the burden that God placed on you what was the burden that God placed inside of you to to birth what you've been experiencing in the last 30 weeks or so
1: I think it, it was mostly uh and like you say, it doesn't give you all the mile markers. It gives you one. And, and the, the thing that kept popping up to me was Christian community. Um, and back home, I don't know if, if uh, you're familiar with FCA by chance, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, but, like, growing up in high school, middle school, that was something that was, you know, I had in my life. I had a solid youth group. Um, I had Christian community. Whatever was going on in your life, you could go. You had those outlets, Those that, that fellowship. Um and i didn't have that here um and i was missing that had always missed that um but then i felt what the lord was telling me the most and what he was bringing up the most in my mind was that he wanted to create a place of community um specifically, specifically, specifically for, a for a group of people specifically for people in the music industry um because there was to my knowledge um nothing like that and it was just very clear You know, it wasn't like an audible voice or anything, but like it was like the Lord kept putting in my mind and in my heart over and over and over again, like, hey, you need to create a place of community, you know. Um, and so that was kind of where it started. And
0: there and if there were and there probably were places of Christian community, maybe for different pockets of people, but for the tribe that was around you, there you didn't see it. And Jordan's graduated from University of Georgia by this time and and now you're in your mid, what are you, 25 years old? 26. 26. Yeah. So he's in his mid-20s, and you move up here to a, to a new place. And, and you're, but you're noticing something. And one of the things that I could tell in, in your burden was that you didn't have a longing to go start a Bible study. I mean, that, that would have been fine. But what you really wanted, I remember specifically us talking that day in that blind about there's all kinds of people your age, that are in your industry that are broken, they're lonely, they had some some struggle with addiction issues, or a lot of it was pressure. Mm -hmm. I just remember you talking a lot about a lot of these young adults that have high talent move up here, and then they face the machine, and the machine will eat you alive on music row. Tell us about what was that compression that was happening because of all that. The, the burden. The burden, yeah. yeah. And, and what you were yeah. seeing about what it, how it was affecting people, even you.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was definitely affected by that. Still am. Um, you know, there's enough pressure up here. I think you fry chicken in it every day. Um, and it's like, I mean, it's just this constant thing. You move up here, and you're like, and the way this, the rise of social media and TikTok, for example, um, Everybody you look up to, all the people at the labels and the and the agents and the, everybody, your publishers, it's like if you don't go viral every day, whatever song you're writing, they see it as a failure. So you've got all these kids, all these young and old people up here chasing a dream that's like, you know, it, p- other people are setting their goals for them um, and it's very, very easy for them to see themselves as failures every day. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of it comes from It's just the pressure of that. And so you see tons of anxiety, tons of depression, tons of feelings of, of worthlessness because they're not George Strait. Um, and you know, just, just looking around, running into wall after wall after wall, wondering, you know, people, you know, questioning all kinds of things. Is this what I'm supposed to do in my life? Why isn't this working out yet? You know, it's just very, very, very high-pressure um, industry and and just part of the world. We talked about this, but like Nashville, LA, and New York are three of the most depressed cities in America. America, because so many people go there to chase a dream and don't catch it. You know,
0: that's right. We've had a lot of discussions about defining your own scorecard because if if George Strait is and that's a good that's a good target, but I only know one of those. You're right. So if that's going to be the standard, well, that's only one versus when you decide what, how God wants you to live, then you can set the tone for what's a success and what isn't. When you, when you base that on the word of God and, and, and the faith of, of what it means to walk in Christ. To, but one of the things I saw in Jordan was he, he did something that, that, that I, have, I, have, I have preached about here hundreds of times, maybe not hundreds, at least 10, okay, um, but a lot. You've heard me say this a lot. You don't have to create a mission field. It's already there. Your mission field is all... Listen to me, Christian friend. If you want God to use you, you do not have to go through the labor of creating a mission field. It's already there. And and it exists in the people around you. What you have to pray for is eyes to see it. Right? Right? And it made me think about this verse in, in Ephesians. Paul says, he, he says something kind of unique. Look at what he says. He said, I pray, and this is the NLT translation because I, I actually think they nailed it with this flooded with light. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. And that, that word in the Greek actually means animated. I pray that your hearts will be animated, coming alive, so that you can understand, that is to have an understanding of the, the confident hope that he has given to those he's called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I pray that the eyes of your heart, you may have memorized this verse, I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. Let me tell you where Paul's not alone in that. You know who also used to pray prayers like that and say things like that? Jesus. He who has ears, let them hear. How many times do you see Jesus say that? See, it is possible for you and me to go through life tone deaf of what's happening around us. I've done it. You've done it spiritual situational awareness is a real thing. We often do not have spiritual situational awareness of what God is doing. In order to see those things, you have to ask for them. So Paul was praying to the church at Ephesus, I pray that your, your, your hearts and your minds, and your, your soul will be animated, that, that the scales will come off, that you'll have the vision that he wants you to have for, for his, his glory. And Jordan did that with a group of musicians I wanna tell you something, friends. What what I see, though, that's consistent with anybody that I've ever seen God use, and it's been consistent with Jordan, is if you have a burden, you gotta act on it, but it has to be God's burden. Jordan's burden wasn't to grow a brand, it was not to grow a brand. It was, I see hurting people. I have their cell phone numbers. I see people that are confused. Sometimes I'm confused. I see an industry that can eat people alive before lunch, and they're all around me. So I I would say it to you this way, friend. If you will meet God in his burden, if you will meet him in his burden, he will give you his vision. See, because God's burden, listen to me, are are you listening? God's burden is not your brand. Your brand is not God's burden. God's burden is for people. And and Jordan didn't, you didn't know it, but you were aligning your burden with his burden for broken people. And when when you do that, let me tell you what comes, favor. Favor comes. Favor comes on stuff like that. So, you started something. So, we're going to talk about the third component. And that if if you want God to use you, you have to have a heart bent toward obedience, a heart bent toward God's burden, and a heart bent toward action. You have to actually do something. So, tell them kind of what you started. And we're going to unpack that a little bit because this is where it gets kind of fun. Okay.
1: Um, So, after we, you know, like I said, that burden had been on my heart for like, months um, there was never like a burning bush moment of like oh it's right here this is when you need to do it it's, it's kind of built up over time um, we were in the duck blind that day um, we talked about it and we go hey when we get back to nashville let's come up with a plan and so we went to quinn's pub and sat down over a and cheeseburger over and some, sweet potato fries exactly best sweet potato fries um and i said all right i've sent out like a hundred text messages and told guys hey we're starting something called Music Row Ministries on Wednesday. I don't know what it looks like either, um, but I, I want to create a place where we can come together, have a Christian community grow in the Lord together, and help each other do life. That's kind of the language I use. I sent this text out to like 100 people. I called Jason. I was like, hey, I'm in over my head. Can we go to Quinn's Pub and uh, come up with a game plan of like how's it how's supposed you, to go? I
0: love that you launched it with no plan.
1: No plan. No plan. What, yeah
0: it I, it's the best yeah
1: that's uh I have
0: no bu- I'm gonna send the text message, and then I'm calling my pastor to say, I don't really know what I just did, <laughs> yeah. but we got a date set in a few weeks, and I need help.
1: yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. That gets me in trouble more times than not in uh everyday life, that kind of attitude, but it worked out that time. um so yeah, so we went and we sat at Quinn's pub, and that first morning, that first Wednesday morning, it didn't even look like.
0: So let's back uh, up. So you sent a text, yeah, and to songwriters. Mm-hmm. See so that you didn't have to invent the tribe. The tribe was already there, All right? So you sent, and, and what kind of response did you get?
1: Man, this is so cool. Really, really need this. You don't know how much we need this. This is so cool. Wish we had had this a long time ago. Like you're I mean, they were fired up. That. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's when you know you're onto something. Yeah. And some of yep. these people that were responding, if I told you their names, you'd be like, oh. You sung their songs. I mean these aren't these these are all kinds of people. Small, medium, and large. And as far as their influence ability. So you, you launch this out, you set a date, and you, you have a meeting. Okay, take us from there.
1: Yeah, so, uh, so at our meeting we decided, hey not, let's not go into it with you know, hard set boundaries or or guidelines for what it's supposed to look like that first time. And uh, we came up with, I think it was five questions.
0: Yeah, I think we came up with, I said, don't make it a church. Right. Just, just it doesn't need to, be, just, we came up, I think we had four or five questions, if mm-hmm. I remember right, yeah. that were kind of open-ended, just to get yeah. them talking about what, what they were experiencing in life.
1: Yeah, and this is something anybody that wants to do something like this can use. I mean, I, the two that stuck out to me was, what's the single most, or the single biggest challenge in your life right now? Um, That I mean, guys, just open up. We had guys like crying in there after that one question. They didn't even know each other. I mean, it was crazy. Um, and then number two was all right, and that was in February. So we said, hey, pretend it's Christmas. You're back home, and somebody says, hey, man, what's going on in Nashville? What's new? What are you? What's you know? What are you liking up there? And they. And you said, Music Row Ministries, this this thing has changed my life. Um, what would make you say that? What could we do here that would make you say that and answer that question that way in December? And I don't think we got past those two questions. Yeah. Um, and it was just, I mean, like an hour and a half of guys just opening up, just things coming out of their chest. I mean, it was crazy. And I called you that day. I was like, I don't know what's going on, man.
0: Yeah, I was I was excited because... I, that y'all never got past question one. You knew you were onto something. You hit kind of a nerve there. Going back to that First Peter verse, look at First Peter four ten again. It says, "As each one has received a special gift, employ it. It doesn't do anything if you don't set it into motion. You you, you have to start start doing something and stop talking about it. And so so Jordan, but I do remember. Prior to you doing that, there was a place you were stuck. like you were just kind of froze for a little while on it. We, I noticed about two or three times we our conversations kept coming back to this. So what was holding you what was holding you up? What, what was it?
1: My overthinking, Try, trying to have control of it, and uh, you know I'm like a bad habit with perfectionism by nature. Um, and so I was trying to figure out everything that God was supposed to figure out um, on my own. And so just trying to make sure, like, oh, we have the perfect plan. Oh, it's, you know, I know exactly how it's going to look and stuff, you know, six months from now. Um, and it's, you know, that was my holdup, was just trying to do God's job the for it. The perfect him. game plan. The perfect game plan. And it's never yeah. going to exist. Never exists.
0: <laughs> it no. never exists. Right. Yeah. So, So here's what's interesting. All right. So then he launches this thing about... Twenty something weeks
1: ago, uh, thirty. Uh, this past Wednesday was thirty weeks,
0: and now I want to say this. Okay, we. This is going to sound weird. We are. We always record our services. Don't share what I'm about. Don't let this out. And here's why I mean by that. I think the worst thing that churches can do with movements is monkey with them. If God's already doing something, let's support and help and stay away i mean money help quinn's pub whatever it doesn't need to become a church it's already a grassroots movement right and 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 but there's something the reason i say i don't want this shared if you're watching from home or you're hearing about this that's fine i don't i don't think this needs let it do let it do what it's going to do let it do what it's going to do and here's why i'm saying that because he took some big risks With a global brand. Okay? So you needed a space. So what did you do to get the space?
1: So I was just thinking, you know, like, hey, if you want to make this big, God, then I'll help you out and try to find the biggest parking lot that we can. So Sony Music Publishing has the biggest parking lot on Music Row. Um, Sony. And, yeah. And uh, so.
0: And who would you go to?
1: Rusty Gaston. He's the, he's the president and CEO of Sony Music Post. Um <laughs> I mean, you
0: yeah, know, I love the, just. I'm just going to walk up to the man, <laughs> you know, the guy with, you know, the number one dude. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it, what was crazy, though, was... I didn't tell you to do that. No, no. You just did that on your we own. We just did that. We just did that. Um, but what was crazy, I knew Rusty was a believer. Um, I had talked to him about that before, so... That really helped going into it. But um, what was crazy is the Lord put him and another guy in inside of Sony to allow this to happen. And I made sure Rusty knows that. But he was all about it and was like, absolutely, man. Anything you need, the doors are open. Um, and he gives me the number of Mr. Bobby. And he's the that's, property that's manager. The property man I property yeah. manager. He's been there 28 years. And he goes, hey, this is a, a great man of God. He'll help you with anything you need, to." Um, so it was like this really, really scary potentially thing that was just the Lord had already, you know, been there. You know what I so mean? y'all again
0: using a songwriting room for yeah. that. So fast forward, this thing's going on. It meets every week, Wednesdays at nine. Wednesdays at nine. Wednesdays at nine. Yeah. Songwriters from all non Sony people, just people on the road. People in the music industry are coming. Yeah, songwriters, artists, yeah.
1: publishers, labels, agents, managers, yeah. any, any ties and photographers that go on the road. And anything. there's
0: no line item. There's no church vote. There's no money. Like, the, the, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be complicated. Just start. Just start right? So this week, and this is why I brought this up, I was thinking about preaching about engaging your neighbor, and I thought, oh my goodness, there's something that's happened this week that I think is the best testimony of ever, but you're never going to know it if I don't tell you. So this is a picture of Jordan, and that's Jordan there in the black shirt with his back to you. And Jordan called me up a few weeks ago, and he says, hey man, you're never going to believe. Uh, he, for actually, we picked up the phone and said, hey, do you know of a creek I could baptize some people? I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, there's one in Leapers where I baptize my boys, but why? Well, I got three songwriters who want to get baptized. I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah, three. And I'm so, I said, I want to see this. I want to come see that. And this past Tuesday, Monday? Tuesday. Tuesday this past Tuesday, so you then you called back and said we don't need a creek because that changed. Mm-hmm. Tell me that story
1: yeah, so originally, um I thought it would be cool to try to get the guys to go out I knew they would like something like this to go out and find some creek Five or, or six guys river, yeah, and we go out and grill you know and kind of have an afternoon out in the woods you know and and baptize each other in a creek well then. Um, I was actually at a event at Sony, and, and Rusty asked me, "Hey man, how's the Bible study going?" And I was like, "Dude, it's growing. We this is at that time it was like 20 ish weeks of it, and um, things were already starting to you know really happen with it. And you could see the movement. And I was telling him about it, and I said, "We've got a few guys that want to get baptized," and he said, "Where are you going to do it at?" And I was like, "Man, we're trying to find some you know kind of creek or river around nearby." And he goes, "Well, why don't you just get a." a Chubb at Tractor Supply and do it in the parking lot. And, well, yeah. In
0: case y'all are not listening, (laughs) okay? I'm giving dead spot there for a minute for them to cut this portion out if they need to. The president of Sony has suggested that we get a horse trough from Tractor (laughs) Supply and baptize people. Yeah, in the parking lot of Sony Music Publishing. Don't tell me there's not a God. Yep. Right. Right.
1: I would say too, like one thing that that reminds me of is you know because it's so easy to think that you've got to fight your battles, you've got to win, and you've got to go in his office and convince him that this is a good idea. Um, But it reminds me of the you know so many times Old Testament when God tells Joshua. Uh, hey, go claim what i 've already given you, you know tell us get in hey, go step into what i 've already given you, like that land is yours, so whatever the lord 's telling you to do he 's already fought that victory he 's already fought that battle, and he 's given you the victory, all right, so you don 't have to go fight for the victory, you just go walk into it you know you got to walk into, that's, that's into a good it word. See, yeah. that's like they never that was so cool sermon, so <laughs> no no,
0: so, so watch this so. I'm there. I'm like, I put this on my calendar weeks ago, right? And I'm like, I'm going to this thing. I'm, I, I woke up thinking about it. Alexis and Vicky show up. I think Leanne Cates, was the, she was there. Uh, I may, Zach was there. Clayton was there. Uh, there was a few more, I'm, if I'm leaving anybody out. But I will tell you what I saw. What, what I saw was all of these young men and women in their 20s, the vibe Was something you could only wish for in a church. They are for each other. They were crying together, hugging each other. They were eating burgers and and some deer sausage of a deer that Jordan killed. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be high five, man. It can be low tech, right? There are people showing up, men and women, and it started with obedience, it went to a burden, and when you align yourself with God's burdens, he moves things out of the way, and then that's Jordan baptizing one of those things, and, and uh, I, it actually dawned on me, I'm like, do you know how to, have you ever done this? Not really. We're, we're in the parking lot, he's like, can you tell me how to do this? I'm like, well, it's, like, it's almost game time, you know, so, so we're, we're talking about that in, in, in such a, a, a Gen Z answer, but I've been on YouTube, and i looked up some stuff, you know, like, of course you did. You know, we went to seminary, they go to YouTube, you know, but but it, it's fascinating. And, and, and so, but I want I to, there's, there's something bigger here that, that I want you guys to see. Uh, this week, something else happens. Um, some of you might know him and Franny, they go to this church. Jeff, Jeff and, and Franny go here, Jeff Johnson. And Jeff sends me a text on Thursday, and he says, I want you to see this picture. This is Auburn. This is at Auburn. And he said, Man, we don't know the number yet, but he said, my son sent me this. There's like somewhere between, this was the range somewhere between 100 and 300 people were baptized at Auburn this week. But, but here, here's what I, here's what, yeah, clap for that. Yeah, that's awesome. But here's, here's what I want to say to you guys of why this matters so much. I told you when I went to Asbury and I gave you the report that something is happening with this generation. And they're not coming to the church. They're just doing it. I mean, they're just doing it. And I'm telling you, it reminds me of what I saw with promise keepers in the 90s when I was your age and promise keepers hit. And God did that in some ways around the church. He he did it with the church, but he did it through a football coach. He he churches hopped on the train. I'm just, but I'm telling you that it's it's got the same earmarks of I saw it at Asbury. This generation, they're they're not doing it in defiance. They're they're just not asking for permission. And I love it. Don't ask for permission. Just go do it. And and so I I, I wanna I wanna end this today. By, by just saying to you something that I think we all need to hear. You know, they say that, they say that, um, that the key to mastery is repetition. You ever heard that? The key to mastery is repetition. Well, there's, there's a picture that I showed you a couple times in the, in the past year. This is the third time that I can recall that I showed it to you. But I'm telling you that that right there, that picture of a happy family going into a building was never God's idea for church. Let me tell you what that is. That's an expression of worship. Yes, it it, it absolutely is an expression of worship. But that, that, let me tell you what's wrong with the Christian church in America as a whole, because I would know, you know. I'm just one guy. But I'm telling you, this is my, I will go to my grave believing this. We we have taken God's idea in Acts chapter 2, and we have turned it into go to church and call it a day. That is an What you're doing right now is an expression of worship. But if you read Acts chapter 2, let me tell you what church is. Church looks a whole lot more like what happened at Auburn. A whole lot more like a guy going to Tractor Supply and getting a horse trough and sticking it in a parking lot at Sony. It looks a whole lot more like Bob and Tammy doing what they're doing with the homeless. It looks a whole lot more like things outside of here than inside of here. We come here to have expressions of worship, but we leave here to do church. And when you read Acts chapter 2, when you go back and read Acts chapter 2, or if you read the whole book of Acts, they were not calling the movement a temple. They didn't. What they called it was a movement to the poor, to the blind, to the broken, to the lost. They went out and did that. And the reason that I'm so passionate about that with you and the reason that I wanted to show you somebody who's had obedience, had a burden, and took action, the reason I want that so bad for you If you're not, I don't know where you are, and maybe you're experiencing. Some of of you are already experiencing this, and you're living out your calling. Man, if you're doing that, man, awesome. But if you're stuck, and you're not, and you don't know, I'm, I'm here to tell you. If you will align your heart to God, take on his burden, and just start doing something. The reason that's such a passionate issue with me is there's no feeling like it. There's no feeling like it. I'm sure you saw that on Tuesday. Yeah. You walked away with a whole new look.
1: Yeah. And also just... I think I turned myself off. Hey, check. There we are. Um, just real quick, a couple more things that was so cool was like to note was obedience. Here's the thing about that. Um, not only are you robbing yourself if you don't be obedient, but you're robbing who knows how many people of what... God has for them in their life Um, so you're robbing both of them and we'll get to that in a minute Um, and I'll show you how that worked but and also don't worry about how the Lord's going to provide because he will he will in the weirdest ways like we had uh, one of the guys that goes to Bible study he um, his dog got really sick and he thought his dog needed a four thousand dollar surgery to live is what a vet told him and then He found another vet who goes, Man, I see the situation. Dog's going to die. I'll do it for a few hundred bucks. Well, we had started a GoFundMe for him to help with his dog, and it raised like 490 something bucks. And he goes, Hey, take that money and buy the stuff you need for Burgers and Baptists and go buy the food and the trough or whatever. And so I went and bought the trough and the food and stuff, and it was almost exactly what that money was was raised. So God used a dog. You know what I mean? It's like... Whatever, um, just wow, so don't worry about that, and there's, you know, if you ever want to talk to me, there's 13, 14 more of those stories like that, there's crazy stuff that happened, um, but also the guys, the discipleship multiplies, that's why Jesus only used 12, and here we are, but the guy, one of the guys that's in the pictures you saw that got baptized, um, he texts me. Or he called me last night, actually, and he said, Hey, man, I'm up in Annapolis, Maryland, playing a songwriter round. And he said that during the round, he wrote a song about his baptism. He said during the round, he was shared his testimony and how he got baptized. And he said after the round, this couple came up to him and was like, Hey, what's it mean to be baptized? Like, we see your joy, and we want that. What does that mean? And he said, we talked to him for 20 minutes. and uh,
0: He's still dripping wet. Yeah, he's <laughs>
1: still dripping wet. And so, like... Yeah. Woo. He, uh, You know, he said, I told him everything that, you know, it meant and stuff for like 20 minutes and they want to go be baptized and started. So, like, if I'm not obedient, I'm robbing those two people I don't even know up in Maryland. You know what I mean? Um, and the Lord's going to use it and multiply So if he's calling you to do something, do it. Because not only are you robbing yourself of what he has planned for your life, but you're robbing who knows how many other people for what he has planned for theirs.
0: You know, it means a lot to us that you would come here today and be a part of who we are. It really does matter to us more than you might realize. Sometimes I think we underestimate the power we have to influence people. You know, if you would look around your world, you'd be amazed at how many people would receive what you have to say to them. You could be a digital missionary. You don't have to post everything on Facebook, or we're not asking you to go on your favorite social platform. But I would challenge you to look around your world I guarantee you might have a friend, even in a different state or another part of the world, something was said today, whether a sermon, a prayer, a song, something was said that could mean a lot to them, man, send it to them. You'd be amazed at how much of a difference that could make.